Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. She got into my arms. She loves flowers. And I was like, I'm so sorry. She has autism. She was like, she's fine. Well, on Oliver Plunkett Street in the middle of broad daylight, there's a group of young men just getting high. For somebody coming in off an ambulance trolley, I have found that we physically do not have enough trolleys. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 as we come to the end of a week, there's some very lively conversations still going on to which we will return uh, this morning. Road traffic, road safety, speeding, speed limits, speed traps, all part of it. After the uh, lengthy interview I did the other day with uh, Dr. Jason Vandeveld about people just watching out for distractions and watching out for speed. Quite a follow-on um, yesterday and indeed more comments in my correspondence folder this morning, which which I will get to, uh, and that and plenty more besides as we head into Friday. Don't mind that fog, it will lift and it will be glorious, it will be sunny, it will be hot, it will be beautiful. And the same tomorrow, possibly even Sunday too, you might get it, it'll start cooling down after the weekend and we'll get a shower and stuff like that. But other than that, lovely weekend ahead. I really do get sick of these weather warnings for a bit of late summer. I'm sorry, I do. Even though, okay, it was. That's admit, it was uncomfortable last night trying to sleep. It certainly was. It was hot and sweaty and it was difficult. But you know what? Can we can we lay off the panicking, please, with a bit of late summer weather? Let's just enjoy it while we have it because it'll be cold and dark and wet and windy and crap for the bones of six, seven months. So, you know, let's enjoy it while we have it. Do you know, love him or hate him, you can't ignore him. And love him or hate him, you'll never get the better of him. It's one of the reasons I have a kind of a sneaking respect. I've always had, and I've met him many times, I've had a, a sneaking respect for many years for Michael O'Leary and had, at this said, the opportunity to meet him many times. And, and is there a bit of a show pony? Is there a bit of a performer about the man? There absolutely is. His press conferences are famous for the things he's likely to say and the points he's likely to make and the stuff he's likely to come out with. I'm very certain, and I had him in studio here once or twice, I'm very certain he goes into every media appearance, every press conference, with an idea in his mind of a line, some kind of a line that he's just going to throw out there because he knows full well the papers will, will jump on top of it. There's actually a book you might get it uh, in Waterstones if you ask John Bree nicely he might find it for you um, it could be gone out of print now I don't know but I, I bought it a few years ago called The Little Book of Mick and it, it's, it's a tiny book of stuff he has said things that are actual genuine quotes from, from uh, Michael O'Leary but I always had this kind of sneaking respect for the guy in that love him or hate him you'll never get the better of him listen to what happened yesterday he was out in the European Union. He was handing in a petition to Ursula von der Leyen. That's actually lost in this. But as he was going up to meet the press to talk about what he was there for, he was attacked by a couple of climate protesters who hit him with cream cakes. And the, look, the man wasn't remotely phased. Watch this. Stop the pollution! Please! Well done. Oh, sorry, it's you, mate. 
What do we think about the... Here's our petition. No, the... No, 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 no. We're here to discuss the petition. I love cream cakes. They're my favourite. I love cream cakes. They're my favourite. No, no, I'm sorry. You can't not like him. And yeah, look, the climate protesters have interrupted the rugby, or the, the tennis, the snooker. Have no doubt they will interrupt the rugby. They interrupted the cricket. They interrupted the Eurovision, didn't they, at one point or other? They're just there to make a nuisance of themselves and have been all year. I don't think they've achieved the square root of nothing. And they didn't achieve the square root of nothing yesterday either by doing that. He slapped them down beautifully. <laughs> oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Talk about slapping people down uh, beautifully. When you're in catering, when you're in retail, when you're in any kind of public service job where you're facing the public day in, day out, you live and die by your reviews. Um, you can go if you go to a restaurant and you're well treated, you get on Twitter by TripAdvisor and you you say nice things about them. And then, maybe not, if you haven't been so well treated. But you often wonder when you're reading reviews just how justified it is. And just below us here on McCurtain Street is the lovely Tara's Tea Rooms. It's been there for quite a few years now. And I won't name the individual, even though I think it's a false name anyway. But he goes under, he goes under a handle on social media... Uh, and he put up a review, a one-star review of Tara's Tea Rooms. He said, I was greeted with rudeness for simply trying to get a table. Then another staff member barked at us for trying to give an order at a time that didn't suit us. You guys seriously should learn some basic professionalism in dealing with customers, especially new ones. Food was average at best. Good luck in the future. Well, the food was average at best. He, I know he... The same place as I know, but they came back with a, a scathing response to that. Uh, you sat yourself at a dirty table while your friend came inside to tell a staff member that you were taking a table outside. Zero regard for whether that table was available or not. I went outside to clear the table and was barked at. I had a tray full of dirty dishes in one hand and was wiping the table you sat yourself at with the other hand. So it didn't suit me to write down your order. I just wasn't able that's uh, Kate from Tara's Tea Rooms. Kate Cashman hitting back against this individual calling themselves a Hugh Deaf. Kate, good morning to you. Hi, PJ. How are you? So, look, everyone is entitled to put up a review. Everyone is entitled to an opinion and to give feedback regarding food, regarding service. But having looked after this customer myself, personally on the day in question I was very annoyed going home from work on Sunday evening but you know put it past you get over it move onwards and to wake up on Monday morning and see the review I just I couldn't I couldn't stand back I couldn't leave that lie it was a one-sided review it gave absolutely no indication of his behaviour on the day in question or how I had dealt with the situation so I felt that I had to in the interest of fairness just give my side mm. of, of the story. So break it down. Um, he said he was greeted with rudeness for simply yes. trying to get a table. Break it down. Yeah, so look, Sunday was a beautiful, glorious sunny day where we have 11 tables inside, we have six tables outside. The outside tables were in high, hot demand. 
So I was maintaining a presence out outside on the terrace. I was in and out, making sure that people were seated at clean tables, given menus, you know. As you do. proper service. Yeah. yeah. So I was coming out of the kitchen and a gentleman came to the door and shouted at one of the waiters that he was going to take a table outside, but he was going to the bathroom first. With that, he stormed off to the bathroom. I turned to the waiter that had been shouted at and I said, look, I'll handle it. I'll, I'll go outside. And so went outside and the man's friend had sat himself at a dirty table and proceeded to bark at me. He knows what he wants. He'll order straight away. So I had a tray in one hand. I had a cloth with sanitizer in the other hand. I said, if you just bear with me two minutes, we'll get this table all cleaned up. I'll give you some menus and then I'll come back and take you and your friend's order. So he looks at me like I might as well have kicked him. So again, I proceeded. I was clearing the table. I was stacking up like two big breakfast plates, stacking up the tray with all the dirty dishes in one hand, wiping the table with my other hand. Went to put the menu on the table. He said, I don't need that menu. I know what I want. Mm. At this stage, his friend came out and said, well, I want to see a menu. I don't know what I want. So I put the menus on the table and I walked away. I greeted another couple who had come along and they inquired if they could take a table outside that has also come free. I said, absolutely. Here are the menus. If you wouldn't mind giving me a second to clear that table, I'll get it ready for you, which they did. I turned back from that couple and again, the individual who had been barking at me sitting outside turned and said, we'll order. Very loud, very abrupt, shouted at me, we'll order. Was there a please so, or thank you connected to this? No. No, no please and thank you. No, they were the furthest thing from his, from his vocabulary. Bear in mind, I'm still standing there with a tray full of dirty dishes from the table that they had sat at. So at that stage, I, I reached my limit. I very, very rarely drop my guard with customers, but at that stage, I just stood there and I put my two hands aside and I said, guys, seriously, can you bear with me two minutes? I will free up my hands and I'll be back out to take your order. Mm-hmm. So that's where the guys seriously worked its way into his review and that is that was me trying to level with him on a basic human level. Guys, I'm going as fast as I can. Yeah. yeah. I can't go any faster. It's not a question of, well, you should have more staff on. If I had an army of 10 waiters inside in the tea room, it wouldn't have made a difference. One person is still going to clear and set that table and one person is still going to take your order. So you still need to bear with me and just give me a chance. Just, just as basic manners. Like, what was I going to write his order with? Yeah. My two hands were full. <laughs> So I know. Was I going to throw my docker book down on the table and leave them write his own order? It's just basic manners. My wife worked in the restaurant game for a okay. few years, Kate, so so I get this. And, and, and some of the abuse, the mm. nastiness, the rudeness, mm. the sort of dismissive looks that staff get. Yes, we're well used to people coming in with the phone up to the ear and they, they gesture at the menu or they throw the menu on the table and say, yeah, just bring me a breakfast. We get that all the time. You turn a blind eye, you take it on the chin, you move on. But I just found that Sunday was a whole other level. It, it, it's sad to say that this is becoming the norm. And I, like, I don't just mean with hospitality, I mean in terms of retail as well. You know, you'd be standing in the queue and there's a customer in front of you throwing coins on the counter at her as opposed to putting it in her hand or barking at her to give me the lotto for this. It's calling and like look we all know how hard it is to get staff at the moment in restaurants and retail but would you blame them like i've had a customer come in and stand at the front door and shout at the waitress 
who was taking an order from another table get out here and take my order I wouldn't serve them and I wouldn't allow them to be served by my staff she turned she turned from the table that she was serving and went to walk outside I said Juliana not not a hope in hell not a hope in hell so I went out and I said sir you can apologise you can leave and he apologised extremely sarcastically with a oh I'm sorry so I asked him to leave What's wrong with people, Kate? You You're know, in business like, down there a few years now. We will be open 10 years this Christmas. I would have thought so. And you what's know, wrong with people? I have no idea. I understand. Look, you don't know what people are dealing with. Maybe they're having a hard time at this, that or the other. But I don't understand why it's okay to take it out on hospitality, why it's okay to take it out on retail. Everyone has their personal issues. Everyone has things going on. I certainly don't come into work and take it out on my staff or on my customers. My staff don't come in and take out their personal problems on the customers or myself. So why is it that if you are in the service industry, whatever it may be, taxis, hairdressing, whatever, why is it that we are the punching bag? Well, I don't need to waste manners on this person because my day is busy enough. That is what just made me really, really angry with the review on Sunday I just found it was it was a it was a personal attack he, he attacked me in my lack of professionalism it wasn't a lack of professionalism it was me asking you to give me a minute to catch up and carry out the task that I'm trying to do well your response Kate was pure yes. class and it's good to talk to you and continued success with your lovely you place so down there thanks so much PJ cheers, cheers Kate yeah, Tara's tea rooms and I'm going to say this for anybody working in retail or anybody working in restaurants, hit back, throw people out, refuse service. And I will applaud you. I was in a shop. I won't tell you which supermarket chain it was, but it was one of the very big ones. But it was in a small enough branch of it, shall we just say. And there was only a couple of staff on. It was a Saturday evening a year or two ago, summertime, close to closing and I had just nipped in myself to grab a couple of beers on my way home after a long old day and I was in the queue and there was a woman in front of me with a few bags of messages or a few I said look she she gestured to me to go ahead so I thanked her for that and there was this individual who could have been a driver I don't know but he was standing behind me and behind this other woman rattling a bunch of keys and the the shop was quiet, other than the three of us. There was no one there. And this guy got his bunch of keys and started slapping them on the counter. Slapping his bunch of keys on the counter. And at the time, there was Perspex screens up, because COVID, you know yourself. He started slapping his bunch of keys off of the counter. And he roared up the shop, there are people here needing to be served. If he did... This guy came down, young chap, tall, young chap, came down and said to the woman in front of me, yes, madam, can I help you? She put stuff on the counter. Then he served me a couple of cans of beer and a few packets of crisps. And then he said, was that you making all that noise? Yes, yes, I need to be served. Uh, well, you won't be served here tonight, sir. Thank you and good night. And he said, who do you think you are? He said, I demand to see the manager. And he banged his keys on the counter again, to which the young man turned around and said, I am the manager. Next question. Good night, sir. And he turned on the heel and walked away. 
We need more of that. We need a lot more of that. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the program. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Cork Simon. Do you want to leave a legacy to the city you love? Find out more about leaving a gift in your will at CorkSimon.ie. Cork's 96FM. Okay, something we're working on here. Um, behind the scenes doing the legwork we have reports this morning of pending job losses at a distribution service in the lower harbour um, sources dependable ones have told us this morning told the opinion line up to 70 jobs could be under threat uh, we're working on this off air as soon as we know anything for certain uh, we'll bring it to you. But just watching that one very closely. Could be some bad news on the jobs front this morning uh, in Cork. As I said, we're, we're, we're watching it. 0818969696. Now, Kate made the point there, it's so hard to get staff for catering at the moment or for any kind of, of hospitality and retail. And look, we've had it pointed out to us during the week that we are at more than, almost more than, full employment now. So there's more jobs than there's people to fill them. Which, it could be a good thing, sometimes, you know, but it causes problems, particularly, I think, in the hospitality trade. Uh, Mike Ryan joins me from Corn Store and Cockpool. Mike, it, look, things good morning, are, t- hi, good morning to you. Times, times are good in terms of there being a, a job for anybody who wants it. The problem is there are more jobs now than there are people to fill them. That's that's the case, but I suppose there's a lot of challenges out there. Like even if you can get people to come into your area, you're 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 struggling for accommodation. I think if you ask anyone at the moment, like there are there are opportunities to, for people to come into the country via visas or whatever else, but uh, you can't get them accommodation, and that's a huge challenge that a lot of businesses have to to deal with. I suppose we all go through different peaks and troughs of. Um, shortages uh, from whatever industry like if you try to get your car service now you're going to be waiting a long time you need a plumber electrician I suppose our long-term problem I think in in the in the country as a whole is that we've kind of devalued the value of trades and people people are kind of being steered away from going into a trade be it a chef or a plumber or electrician so we're going to have to that has to be outsourced and to bring people in it's it's you know it's it's challenging but i suppose a lot of a lot of economies have had to bring people in from abroad at different times in growth but um i suppose if you've no place to house them it's it's, mm. it's one of the biggest challenges like trying to hire skilled people for your kitchen for example and you say oh there's a great mm. chef now i can bring him in or her in and give him a good wage and look after them well but where are they going to live yeah well I'm actually in that situation. I'm not alone. Um, we take on accommodation for people to get them settled. Oh, do you? I suppose. The accom- yeah, we do. Yeah. But like I think the, the accommodation we would take on, obviously, like you have, there's an onus. Like when you're younger, 
you know, and your student, you know, you'd all people will bunk in together. We all know we did in college and, and in, one, in younger life. But like I'm talking about bringing people in that would have maybe families and stuff and, and or would be more settled and coming in with a partner. And, you know, the accommodation has to be very uh, at a very high standard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, with the demand out there at the moment, it's, it comes at a high price. So a lot of people can't come up with the, even the deposits. So we would take that on as business. We're not alone. Like, we're nothing special. We just, this, it's what businesses have to do to adapt and evolve, you know, in the scenario you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same as the pharmaceuticals. And they all take on accommodate, uh, take on accommodation for people as well. So you take that on, bring people in. And I suppose it's an ease for them at the start. But like what I say to a lot of people is when they're coming in, I guess, you need to look at the price of living because like we offer a high wage, mm-hmm. but they're maybe coming from countries that have a, a lower cost of living. Mm-hmm. So they think the wage is extremely high. And it's like, you know, when you're younger and you went away, the first question you're asked is how much is a point there? Yeah. <laughs> so you kind of gauge, you gauge the, uh, you get, you gauge the cost of living on a point or whatever your yeah. metric is. But when you're telling people a point of seven euros now, it kind of, it's an eye opener, you know? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So have you lost people, potentially good people, because there's nowhere for them to, to stay? Um, we we find this out. We, yes. Yes is the answer. Would have went through an awful lot of interviews um, and even gone through the visa process, which was very unfortunate last year. I'd gone through the visa process with two chefs um, and had their visas and they couldn't come in because there was no place to stay. And the problem was the cost was on the business of two and a half thousand euros per chef. Mm. Uh, that would that that were processed and never came to the country. Wow. So now that was a hit. Um and then but like so now I'm really, really careful with people and kind of going, you have like people have to know upfront how much it costs, you know. Mm. For, and, uh, and, and your organizations like the Restaurants Association and other such groups like that, are they able to are they able to make this understood to government? To their- to be well, on the visa side of things, I think people in the catering industry, chefs and front of house, because front of house is it's not just chefs, it's front of house as well. Mm. Uh, like it's, it's all across the uh, the industry, front and back of house. They have moved, like visas have moved along quickly. Um, you have They are at the top of the critical list. So they, they're process, where visas were nine months, now we're having them done in about eight to 12 weeks. So the message came across that way yeah. with the with lobbying and everything else. But the, the fundamental problems are there of housing people and getting getting in places to stay. That is the big problem. Or actually bringing, or, you know, we can't always be reliant from outside. We have to be more self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. And it's to bring, and it's, to, and it's up to the industry to make it more attractive for people. Um, I think, you know, there is a legacy from, back in the day that it was a tough industry to work in this mm-hmm. it is it's a service industry service industries are hard as 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 Kate was saying like you know you you are dealing with the public and and the majority of the time the public are lovely because you wouldn't be in it if they weren't but you do have the ones that can sour your day or your week mm. and you know and sometimes in different times you do have more more than the average and it's difficult to be dealing with that and and for your staff to be dealing with that you know what I mean it's hard Um, can you identify with with the kind of things that Kate is saying there this morning then 
Totally, totally. Like you have people that they, they can be very dismissive. And look, unfortunately, and this is not going to be go down too well. I have people from different countries, and let's say that because they're from a different country, sometimes they're not treated with the respect they should be. I see. And you know, and and you know, that's we don't tolerate it for a second. I have no problem. Pre-COVID, you did everything to keep everyone as happy as possible. You still do. But I have no problem now saying, I'm sorry, we can't accommodate you today. This is not for, this place is not for you. And because you have, there has been an element of people, like, look, there's strains in mental health everywhere, in every industry, and and people are suffering. Like, I have so many friends in the industry that, you know, you'd worry for them, you know, mm-hmm. um, because of the strains, you know. It's not, before it was like, you know what I mean, Will the job get me before I'm sixty-five? As in health-wise. Yes. But health isn't like it's 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 mental health as uh, has honestly in every industry. Everyone I talk to, it's not just hospitality, mm-hmm. um, they do they do suffer. But when you're a frontline, and now I'm not considering like waiting staff and 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 ourselves the same as medical staff frontline. But I'm saying when you're dealing on the cold face with people, um, it is difficult and it is stressful. Okay. Just lastly and briefly, Mike, um, the VAT increases from last weekend formed quite a lot of conversation for us over the last few days. Have you had to increase prices because of them or can you absorb them? Well, we were at the moment, uh, we have absorbed somewhat, but we couldn't absorb all. Um, Because we were in a situation that there's actually been a few price drops. So it's actually helped like the price example salmon was 22.50 kilos now dropped to 16.50 so that's been a massive drop so that means that you could we, we would have been dropping it on our menu anyway so there but you would be factoring in the four and a half percent all i'd say to say people that are outside the industry if you have a restaurant that's turning it's just an immodest sized restaurant that's turning 50,000 euros a week yeah. and on that you would have uh roughly around 100 seats and for that size premises outside of Dublin, you'd be paying somewhere in the region of eighty to hundred thousand on rent. Okay, if you factor in all those figures and put on four and a half percent onto that food sale of the fifty thousand, that's an extra two thousand two hundred and twenty-five a week, which is one hundred and seventeen thousand in the round of a year. That's extra onto the business you can't if they don't pass that. it on. You can't absorb. That. If you if you if you started off your business with your business model saying that you're, okay, my rent is going to be 90,000 a week, a year. And all of a sudden you have your rent doubles. You're not viable because you don't factor that in your plan. And the reality is the VAT went up last year. Like Out of the last 12, 13 years, the VAT's only been at 13.5% for one year. Mm-hmm. So a lot of business models would have been working around that. For us, we're tax collectors. We have to put it on, we take it off and give it to the government. This isn't going into our tills. It's not going into our bank accounts. We absorb it so much. The biggest problem with it is, is the optics. So if you had a 48 euro menu, set menu, three course menu, which mm-hmm. is kind of the average 45, 48 around town, all of a sudden you're pushing it over the 50 euro mark. No one has put it over the 50. They've absorbed some of it. Now, because of price drops, we've been able to do that right now because it's it, it, the, the volatility is, is after slowing down. Mm-hmm. But when we come into the winter again, we can see that it's going to rise again. Um, because, you know, we're not, as a country, we're, we're very reliant on outside factors. 
course. And even when you see when you have wet weather in Spain or hot weather in Spain, there's a, there's a lack of like you had it on the the, the shelves. Uh, the, in the supermarkets well we have to buy as well um, for our shelves our stores and we are also suffering with it and we're just not sustainable enough I think in mm. like we, we're, we're kind of gone down too many we're, we're narrowing our, our perspective when it yeah. comes to food in the country and we're, we're taking like the farming community definitely have a right to be aggrieved at the moment, the way things, how they've been treated and how their prices and how they've been driven out of the, out of the markets. But in a couple of years' time, if, if you're looking at countries that are importing to you and they have to keep with their own populations, it's going to make our cost of our doing business a lot higher again, you know? Yeah. We've uh, 32 days to go, Mike, to the budget. Uh, I know that the, the government said that they couldn't, that the VAT increase had to go ahead because it was set in legislation. I take it mm-hmm. that you and others would be looking to Michael McGrath and Pascal Donoghue on the 10th of October to maybe give you the 9% back for another while? Well, well that or even separated out from uh, like having food and accommodation separately. And I think a lot of people would be in agreement with that, that if you had your food at 9%, like it's not unheard of. You might hear that it's oh, so hard to do, but should we do it with drinking food already? Drink is at 23%, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's done automatically. We've been doing it for years. You program it into like, the tail end of story. Yeah, so it's been done. It's been done, It's it, you know, Everywhere in Europe, there's the, 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 there's a, there can be a different, not everywhere, but in a lot of countries in Europe, you have a separate uh, accommodation and a separate uh, um, food um, VAT rate because there's such, there's such volatility, especially in the food market. And also, you have to realize, this is a country that relies highly on, on tourism. And we're, it's the optics. As I said, this isn't this 13%, 13.5%, this 9%. This doesn't go into our tills. And it goes into our tills to be handed over. We're tax collectors. Yeah. And so, but it's the optics. You're yeah. trying to sell abroad. and But Ireland is coming across as being so expensive. And, you know, and when you have, and as I said, food is dropping, but the fuel prices have gone up. So what's going to happen? The transport costs are going to go up, i.e. the food's going to go up again. So we're in the, we're in a bit of a, a downward trough at the moment, but in the next, there'll be a knock-on effect um, with inflation on food again, you know? So yeah. I suppose, yes, we would, we would hope they could, I won't say see sense, like they know that it's the it, it it's the right thing to do, but I suppose there are certain elements uh, in government and around that that believe that you know it's it's a loss to the exchequer. But the reality is that you know if places go to business, the loss to the exchequer is. I know we have full employment and people can move on, but you have to look at entertaining people. Like, what's the quality left behind? Yes. If if these small businesses are let go, because like we're all like you know, in business to make a living, of course. I mean it because I like to do it as well. I do enjoy what I do. But, you know, if you leave all the small operators and uh, go and they can't, it's not viable, then you're just left with the bigger chains. And yeah. it's then this it's the debate about the boutique store as opposed to the, the, chain, the, the, the high yeah. street store. There's room for both. Yeah. But, like, you know, if you take away choice, you 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 kind of make everything pretty sterile, you know? Mm. Mike, great food for thought, not to coin too much of a pun on that one, but thank you. Uh, Mike Ryan of uh, Cockbull and Corn Store. Uh, he's got jobs on offer, good jobs, well-paid jobs, but he has nobody can't, they, he can't get places for people to live. 
0818 96 96 96. Thank you, Mike. He was talking as well about the customer customer serve or the attitude of people towards customers, which is not acceptable sometimes. I, I, I'm kind of concerned about something he said there that he'd have staff who weren't Irish and that sometimes people turn on them a little more rapidly than they turn on staff who are Irish. That's not good to hear. Not good at all. Tom sent us a voice note about Tara's. I did Tara tea for breakfast. I take my wife there. It's beautiful, reasonable and a great service. I love the place. Good man, Tom. Thanks. Lots of stuff on... Just see how busy we are, comments-wise, including many, many entries for our best daycation ever competition, which I'll get to in the fullness of time. But just listening to Mike there talking about not being able to find accommodation for staff he wants to hire. And then yesterday I was chatting with Pat Drynan at HomeHack, homehack.ie. It's a whole new way of allocating homes and rooms and apartments and houses. And I'm thinking maybe the catering or hospitality sector could work with with HomeHack. We also had contact from John. John is in Madden's Buildings. He said, I live in a council house in Blackpool. I pay my rent weekly. I live on my own. There were two bedrooms. Could I rent out one bedroom? Would I lose my living alone allowance? Would I lose my fuel allowance? Would my rent increase? Uh, that came in from John Ryan. And Pat Drynan was straight back on from Home Act to say, I'm happy to report that none of the factors you mention will be affected if you rent out a room in your council house. Wow, that's interesting, isn't it? And thanks for coming back to us on that, Pat. 0818969696. Staying with accommodation next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks96FM. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmery. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. For fantastic quality and great taste guaranteed. Choose Griffin's Potatoes. Herpings and Roosters. Corks 96FM. Yeah, we got a response actually to homehack.ie yesterday. Conversation with Pat Drynan. You'll find it on our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Homehack.ie uh, could solve a lot of problems for people, particularly focusing on students now as they come to college for the new term. Eva O'Brien is welfare officer with the UCC Students Union. Eva, are you aware of the work of HomeHack? Good morning. Yeah, I, I have heard of HomeHack before, but I haven't used it personally before and I haven't signposted it to it before, but I will definitely look into it. Mm, they're, they're focusing a lot on students. You have your own thing in UCC as well called the Student Pad. It's, it's an online service. But before I get to that, Eva... What is the accommodation crisis like as as we head into the the return of people to cottage? Yeah, well, as you can imagine, it's still fairly grim out there, so as you could say, especially when first years came in for their orientation. They started on Wednesday and all the other years will be starting this Monday. We've definitely seen way bigger crowds around, around campus 
So there's definitely going to be an influx of people looking for accommodation, like that final push before college starts. Mm. I think it's kind of coming to that stage where I'm not getting emails saying I can't find accommodation. It's more I'm here now and I have nothing. What do I do? It's kind of starting. The panic is kind of starting to set in. Yeah. We, we, we've talked over the years, Eva, with people sleeping in cars, people couch surfing, people camping, yeah. for goodness sake. We don't want that again. No, not at all. And I always find when I talk about accommodation, I look back to when I was in first year or all throughout my college career, really look, really struggling to find accommodation. And it's really sad that it's still that same way that it was five years ago. And even before that, again, before I was in college, nothing really has changed. The struggle is still there, definitely. There seems to be no end of student accommodation going up in these big blocks. But are they extraordinarily expensive and are they mostly taken up by overseas students who who pay through the nose? Yeah, I'm not sure now about how many international students there are to Irish students, but all these private pub purpose-based student accommodations are just popping up around the city. If you have a walk around Cork, you'll notice that two years ago, half of these complexes weren't there. And now suddenly they're everywhere when Mm. you walk around the place. They are extraordinarily expensive. They're all over eight grand, some of them around nine, ten grand for the academic year, plus utilities, plus your deposit. So it's really not viable for your average student coming to college, working part-time, student being being a student then full-time there's not a hope in hell that they would be able to afford that that kind of accommodation but these luxury accommodations that come up often justify their high prices by saying that they have a gym that they have a cinema room there's ensuite double rooms but there really needs to be more variation when it comes to these complexes like Students realistically don't need a gym in their complex when we have well, a No, they don't, because like, when you consider that every student of UCC is automatically a member of the fantastic facility at the Mardike, so you don't need a gym in your accommodation. Yeah. Talk to me, Eva, about um, StudentPad Online. How does that work? So StudentPad is a UCC-run um, website, so it allows landlords to upload any rooms that they have going and if you're a student of UCC you can log in with your UCC number and you can message them on the website and it's run by the accommodation and community life office so landlords are just a ring and they can put them up there for them I used it when I was in college I didn't personally find anything on it but I have heard great stories from it that people have definitely found things through student pad and it's run by people in an office it's not like an automated website that kind of has nobody behind it. There's a, a brilliant team behind that website. Yeah. One thing that has also happened is people being stung by by fake accommodation, fake landlords. You come across that recently? Yeah, um, well, thankfully, I haven't heard of any horror stories coming into my office, but I definitely mm. have heard of scams going around. They're so random, and I really feel for it anybody that gets stuck into it it's the desperation to find accommodation at this stage that feel like they're maybe blinded by the hope of finding a room somewhere and it's good to get a second pair of eyes on something just mm. sending it my way and kind of have a look a lot of the time it's having to pay a deposit that's much more than one month's rent you should never pay in a top a deposit that's more than one month's rent or asking 
to pay up front without seeing the house or meeting the landlord. Just things like that are things to watch out for really yeah. at this stage. We hear a lot of foreign students being stung by scams through Facebook, which when you look mm. back at it afterwards are very obvious. But if you are desperate for somewhere to live, uh, you, you could be in deep for, for thousands of euro before you even realise it. Scammers have yeah. locked pages or new profile pages, no friends list. There are a couple of red flags mm. there. But if, if you're desperate, you'll get caught. There's someone else on the phone as well saying that the uh, those student accommodation places are targeting richer foreign students. Um, like you say, you, you, you can't verify that, but that, that, that seems to be what's out there. So Eva, for anyone coming in to start over the next few weeks, what's the first thing that they should do? Well, I would say come into me in my office. My door is always open and we can talk about your situation and we can go from there. It's my job to know all the supports in UCC and in our locality so I can point them in the right direction and just walk them across the road to the accommodation office that I was talking about earlier. If anything comes up, they can ring them and they will get a room. There's definitely still rooms going around Cork. Mm. I know that for a fact. Um, so just keep ringing around, even to those private complexes, maybe not the expensive ones, maybe places like Fields um, or Dean's Hall, places like that. They're, They're still great out there, of course, they are. They are. Eva, yeah. wish you well in the work you do. Uh, Eva O'Brien, Welfare Officer of UCC Students Union. It is tough out there. They have Student Pad. Just Google UCC Student Pad. MTU also have a list of places that are available for digs and homehack.ie could be good too for you if you're coming to town or have someone coming to town to study. Getting back to customer service, we started this morning listening to Kate from Tara's Tea Rooms about rude customers. Please do not be rude. Mike from Cockbull was saying the same. Some, some people are just rude. Uh, I worked as a cashier for years, says this call. I was always polite. But I never felt I was under a compliment to them. I can honestly say when I go into a, wait, a restaurant and I see the way people treat waitresses, it's like upstairs, downstairs treating servants. People need to get into their head that they're there to do a job. Johnny would tell these clowns, you're not being served, get out. As would I, Johnny. As would I. Good man. 0818969696. Another Johnny was on yesterday uh, on about the road safety. And I'll come back to this after 10 on about road safety. PJ, I meant to ask yesterday, just to clarify, did that first response fellow say on Wednesday that there are 1,400 people with life-changing injuries in a year? Yes, that was Dr. Jason Van de Velde who was with me on Wednesday and he said he's a trauma specialist, pre-hospital trauma specialist out there on the roads and he said for about 1,400 people per year suffer life-changing, life-altering injuries on our roads. More people than cancer, more people than stroke, and more people than heart attacks combined. Think about that. 0818 96 96 96. Talk about road safety. I saw a bus driver earlier this morning stopped at lights, scrolling on his phone with a big bus full of school kids. Well, I said that to you the other day. I was here outside Broadcasting House, and there's a fella manoeuvring a coach and a busy road and he's got his phone up to his ear like that 
that sorry, that stuff belongs in the last century. It, it it's gone. It shouldn't happen anymore. I'd be very tempted if I saw it again to, to snap a picture and send it to his employer. The problem is then I'm using my phone while I'm driving. So you can't do that, can you? Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The lines are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. I'm so sorry, Marie. Do you want to do a weather forecast? Ah, sure, when it's a warm day, why not, PJ? <laughs> Very warm, highest temperatures of 24 to 28 degrees. Cooler in coastal areas, though. Current temperature, 17 degrees. And you're now up to date on the home of Lorraine and Ross in the morning weekdays from 6am, Cork's 96FM. I would check that. Thanks for it. What <laughs> happened there? Anyway, it's Friday. Forget it. It's grand. Thanks. 0818 96 96 96. Can I just mention somebody who I'm delighted to see this morning is on the mend well hopefully anyway I speak of someone who got it nearly 10 years ago now I took a phone call on this programme about young people and their attitude to life and the person on the end of the phone was Lauren Walsh and Lauren is from Passage and she suffers from EDS Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and she was supposed to be a 5-6 minute call and we ended up chatting for an hour here on the show about young people and their attitude to life and we went on to become friends and I did some fundraiser for her and stuff like that Um, Lauren has been very ill very ill over the last week and a bit with the ongoing horrible thing that is EDS and all the symptoms that come with it Um, I'm delighted to say for those who follow her follow her on Facebook and other channels stripes for life my eds journey is where you'll find her she's out of intensive care having been there for nearly a week and we were all very very worried about her this time she's out of intensive care and she's looking all right she's looking much better and she's posting again on her social media and i'm so thrilled so so thrilled that my young pal is on the mend again she is a pure warrior a total warrior um, and uh, my, my best wishes as well to her mom, Carrie, and her dad, Pat, and Archie the dog. Um, and uh, I'm delighted to see you on the mend. And if anybody hears this, pass it on to her. I know she listens to the podcast all the time. So, um, Lauren, my thinking of it as always, kid. 0818 96 96 96. Now, road safety has dominated, and I mean dominated, our conversation right throughout the week. Uh, It began with the terrible news of more fatal accidents and more serious injuries on our roads. And then we talked on Wednesday, and again, you'll find this on our podcasts, wherever you get them, at length with Dr. Jason Vandeveld, who's a trauma specialist and travels the roads, going from accident to accident to accident and seeing the things that are happening. And, And he, among other among other things, he was pleading for people just to give up the mobile phone. Don't take the mobile phone into your hand 
while you're in the car and, and do your best as well to avoid other distractions as well. And that, that grew out into a broader conversation. We also heard, of course, that Jack Chambers, the minister responsible, has brought to Cabinet an idea to change the speed limits and they will change, we think, sometime in 2024. There's also been talk this week of penalty points changing. It's a system of penalty points changing. That is, if you are stopped or if you have an incident and you have more than one penalty point offence at the same time, what happens at the moment is that you're awarded the higher number of points. Like if you get a five and a three, you're, award, you're, you're, you're given the five points. The three is taken into account. There's talk of a change in that law where you'll get the eight just to try to get people to behave better on the roads. Avril, you, you drive a lot and you got in contact in the, in, in the context of this conversation. Avril, you, you drive a lot and, and you wanted to tell me about some of the things that you see. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, it's um, going driving is always a challenge. Yeah. I do have hands-free. I don't actually really use it anymore. It was different during COVID. I didn't have to worry about too much traffic on the road because there was very, very little. Now it's a whole different ballgame. It's also, I mean, even I met somebody this morning and they were saying about listening to a podcast. I don't listen to a podcast in case I have to concentrate, in case something catches my interest and I listen to the podcast rather than concentrating on the driving. So I I have the radio on in the background. But yes, bad driving. I, a few weeks ago, I was in Perry and I came on a corner and there was a car stopped in the middle of the road. And as I came up behind it, it pulled away, but it weaved on the road and mm. stuff like that. So I took the registration number automatically because my husband said, if you don't report that dangerous driving and something happens, you will have on that on your conscience for the rest of your days. Mm. Do now, you have dash cam in the van? Nope. But when I rang the guard on this particular incident, I had to go through everything. And I was asked, would I be prepared to testify? And I said, yes. Mm-hmm. And then within an hour, a guard rang me and said, we believe it is an older person. We believe there's family situation. We will, with your, with, are you in agreement that we go and have a word with the driver mm-hmm. and our family? Mm. And I said, absolutely. Throwing out fines left, right and centre. Sometimes a word for the guards to have a word with somebody is mm. all it takes. Yeah. To, and, you know, it, it, with all due respect, I'm not in the first blush of use, use by any means. So someday I could be that person, that older person who isn't aware of how my driving has deteriorated. Mm-hmm. And being fined left, right and centre isn't going to make any difference. Having a word of caution, having perhaps the guards say, you know, maybe you should drive between X time and X time, mm. not late into the evening. That sort of thing, without taking, particularly in rural Ireland, taking somebody's independence away can be devastating. I also am fascinated by the fact of going from 100 kilometres to 80 kilometres. Right. 80 kilometres to 60 kilometres. What happened to number 70 and the number 90? You think it sounds a bit random? Now, I'm also on rules. I'm also on rules. And to do 80 on them, I would want to be suicidal. Yeah. Locals who are used to these roads tend to be anticipating 
the situation. They know the road. Mm-hmm. But strangers coming in who are used to driving on motorways or national roads and suddenly come onto tertiary roads and they don't realise they need to change their, their driving to accommodate the situation. Yeah. I've also met people um, being behind people and they're facing a tractor and they can't reverse. So much different. You could you'd spend the day talking about different things that we see. But come back to what you said about noting the registration number and reporting it to the guards. Do you, do you think we should do that more often? Yes. It's not welshing on somebody. It actually could be saving somebody's life. This, 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 this poppycock notion that there's going to be a guard on every corner, that there's going to be speed cameras detecting average speed on every stretch of road in Ireland. We can't repair the roads, never mind put speed cameras on them. This is true. Like Justin's point yesterday was that all the rules and regulations in the world are one thing, but without enforcement, they're no good. But I made the point, and you're making it now, we can't put a cop on every street corner. So some of the responsibility falls back to us as other drivers. And And I will broaden that out. I'm also somebody who goes on the back of a motorbike with my husband. Okay. I'm also somebody who has, who sees lorry drivers and how they have to manoeuvre, or tractor drivers, and they're trying to cope, and they're meeting people who have no cop on, no knowledge, no awareness of the problems that other drivers, other users of the road are facing. You know, if I have a tractor, a motorbike coming behind me, I will automatically try and find a space where that motorbike can go, can get out in front of me. Because, you know, he's one, one vehicle and he can go, if he can go and go a little bit faster than I, me, that's fine. I'm not worried. He doesn't need to be up my rear end. He um, shouldn't be. He shouldn't be tailgating you anywhere, is the way I look Well, I had, I had a lorry tailgating me this morning doing 90 on the Clonakilty Road, Clonakilty Bandon Road, and had a lorry tailgating it. Yeah. But, you know, it, I wonder sometimes, our, our driving tests are for the driver in the vehicle. There's no requirement that they should be aware of any other vehicle. Or any other road user. There was an ad years ago, Avril, you might remember it, of an experienced driver stopping the car the inexperienced driver didn't know what that person had seen. Yeah. A ball had run into the road, but the through car? the gap of a parked car, he'd seen two little legs. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he anticipated. Those are, you can't learn those for the driving test. No. No. No, but there's no, but there's no requirement either to be observant. Fair point. And then can I go on to the scooters? Ah, uh, now, now, now you're backing up my tree. These scooters, the scourge of scooters. Go on. I cannot believe it, but I am say- actually saying I saw a scooter with a baby carrier being towed along behind it no. in Cork this week. No. Yes. You know the ones that go on to bicycles? I do. This was on a scooter. Oh. <sighs> And you can't report that because there's no registration number? No registration. I can't. I don't have dash cams, so I can't. But even you can't even take photographs because you're taking photographs of the back of something. That, that struck me as being... It was, it, was, it was an accident waiting to happen. That's reckless endangerment is what that is. But 
that's normal. Yeah. It's a very broad conversation, Avril, and every call I've taken this week has broadened it even more, which is great. Thank you. Excellent call. No problem. You're welcome. Cheers, Avril. Drive safely out there. I know you will. 0818969696. And again, more of your comments on this. On scooters, for example, Tom says scooters and side roads are the two main elements of road accidents. There are not many accidents I can remember happening on a main road. It's always a side road. And it's often side roads that aren't well maintained. And when it comes to scooters, people are dying and the government aren't even legislating yet. And they want us to believe we're taking road safety seriously. Scooters are causing a lot of scares on the road. It's not all scooter users. But when there's no law and no enforcement, obviously the bad ones are going to go mad. And look, only again in the last few days, I've seen them going through red lights, going the wrong way down a one way. The scooters, scooterists, some of them at least, seem to believe the rules of the road were written for somebody else. Then on the phone, why isn't it mandatory for car companies to switch on the speed limiters on cars, like happens with trucks and buses? Notice I said switch on, because in most cases, the technology is already there in the vehicle. Uh, It's just a matter of switching it on and off, depending on the country. Yeah, I'm a little small car, and pretty much every car now comes with an ability to limit the speed. Why not switch it on at manufacture? Switch it on at import, switch it on... By the time you, before you get out of the garage, according to that phone call, your car is set so that it cannot actually go over, say, the motorway limit, which is 120 kilometres per hour. 0818 96 96 96, more of your thoughts. We've had an enormous response all week, and I'm going to have to read more of them uh, in a while because I have piles of them before we even get some in for today. We've been teaming up over the last few days with Falcher Ireland to help you to experience the best daycation ever. I went out and about myself for a couple of daycations in the last uh, few days to see just, just some of the stuff that we can see and do on our doorstep. I had great fun down at Blarney Castle and Gardens on a beautiful day. Went to see the Blarney Stone and the Poison Garden and around those pathways and bushes and trees and shrubs and avenues. It goes on forever. And then you have fabulous coffee on the way out and there's a full restaurant there and souvenir shops and, and all of that and great parking as well. Great parking for for Blarney. And there's a whole lot more to do on an afternoon in Blarney. That was one of the daycations I did. I want to hear yours your idea for the best daycation ever. A little mini holiday, all contained in the one day. We've been getting great ones all week. Great ones. I have a few more to read, but I want to get a few more in because at about 10 to 12 today, I'm going to draw two out of the hat. You want a big hat? Two <laughs> to draw two out of the hat and give each one of those people 200 euro, one for all voucher, which will help them towards paying for their best daycation ever. So give me the idea for yours to 083 396 96 96. Get them into me ASAP. Best daycation ever. If you're looking for ideas, although, you know, I don't think people are. There's some great ideas that have come in. But if you're looking for ideas, you'll get more of them on discoverireland.ie. Well, I just do one before the break, one that's sitting there looking at me. Um, they were great. Where did we have... Uh, yes, great day out. Michael Collins's birthplace. Then Glendorfer lunch. 
back to Inchidani for a walk on the beach along the coast road to Timaleague and on to Kinsale for a walk and dinner. Great history, great food, great scenery. That's my perfect day. And that's from Alison. Uh, drive to cross. Oh, Andrew had a brilliant one. Andrew said, start my day off by taking a leisurely stroll through our beautiful city, then hop on the 220 bus down to Crosshaven, uh, visit the oldest yacht club in the world, uh, call into Cronin's pub for a spot of lunch, and then take a walk up the Point Road up to Camden, take that beautiful cliff walk from Camden to Church Bay and grab all, then all the way back down into the village, uh, beautiful scenery along the way then into La Scala for uh, the amusements to try my luck yeah, god I forgot about La Scala then over to the Orr yeah, Nick Flynn's new pub for some of those wonderful chicken wings with a pint and then back onto the bus to my beautiful city my home by the Lee now Andrew, that sounds like a cracking vacation maybe even the best vacation ever Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. The Cork Diary. Quartz 96 FM. The Big Splash for Aware takes place on Saturday, the 23rd of September. Join people all over Cork and take a dip at your favourite swim spot to support mental health. Register today at aware.ie forward slash splash and receive your exclusive swimming hat to proudly demonstrate your support on the day. Please remember to swim safely. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie 0818969696 your, uh, <laughs> your vacations are starting to, to pour in again. Best day Kinsale walk up to James's Fort, sit and look out over the sea and back down for a swim and over the bridge to head back and grab fish and chips and look back across the town of the harbour from Bridget Noonan. Thank you, Bridget. 0833969696 for your ideas. Now, to... Oh, listen to me. There's a photograph has landed. We think it's Irish. We can make out some of the signs around it and some of the, some of the registration numbers. So we think it's Irish. Let me try and paint you a picture of what it is. It's an entire family on a scooter, on an electric scooter. There's a mammy and what looks like a dad, although it could be another woman, two adults anyway, and two children. One child is standing on the flat part of the scooter, holding on to the shaft below the handlebars. Then you've got mammy, I assume, beside behind the small child, and then someone else, who's probably a dad, with their arms wrapped around Mammy, and then on top of Dad's shoulders, you've got another child who at that stage must be nearly seven and a half foot off the ground. And this is on an electric scooter. Has come into us on WhatsApp. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now the tenants uh, the echo rather the the echo is reporting that tenants in an estate in Cork are holding a rally to protest at what they say are poor living conditions and a lack of action on those living conditions by Cork City Council. It's Glenn Trasna in the Glen, and I'm joined by Helen and by Christia, Krista, who both live up there. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. It's not, a, it's not a, a park that I know, so tell me all about it, Helen. 
Uh, where is it and, and what, are, what are the problems? So, um, Glen Costa is in the Glen. Um, it's a quite new estate, actually. It was um, opened in 2009, so 13 years old. It's a very beautiful estate, a really good community, good people, great neighbours. Okay. The problem is with the condition of the houses. Um, the council don't do repairs or maintenance. Well, you know, it's very difficult to get them to do it. And as a result, our houses, our homes, are going into a state of disrepair. What kind of things are there, Krista, that you're dealing with? Mould. The biggest issue in my row of houses is rats. Rats. Mm. Rats. And it's actually increased over the summer because of the construction that's happening down by Blackpool Shopping Centre. Oh, of course. With all the new um, apartment blocks being built there. I believe Balavalan is the exact same. So it was an existing issue, but now it's increased over the summer because of the construction and now we're just completely overrun. Right. Have you kids? I do. And are, are the rats getting into the houses? They are. What happened in my row of houses in 2014, it wasn't a bad storm. It was a gust of wind and all the row of houses collapsed, or row of walls rather, collapsed like dominoes in the garden. Right. And um, they never replaced them. Wow. And it's it's still left like that now. Some of us have. Oh, these are the dividing the dividing walls between the gardens. They all just fell yeah, over. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that happened, I'd say, ten years ago, and they came up eventually. They put chicken wire fencing down. Uh, we were promised it was temporary. Some neighbours, unfortunately, still have that mm-hmm. because they don't have the means to replace the fencing themselves, mm-hmm. and that's. I, the issue that's most apparent to me is not everyone in the estate has the means to carry out these repairs themselves and unfortunately they're the ones who are affected the most. Sure. Helen, you're all council tenants o- o- up there. Are you having a problem with rats? No, I don't have a problem with rats. I have a problem with damp. Okay. Because the flat upstairs, I'm on a ground floor flat. The flat upstairs has been empty for approximately six years. Um, <clears throat> there's no ventilation in that flat. I, I ventilate my... Well, there's a place upstairs that's empty for six years in the middle of a housing crisis. In the middle of a housing crisis. And that's not the only vacant property on this estate. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. There was one behind my house, I'm going to say, for about six years. And there was parties. There was people going in and out of the house. There was rubbish being dumped in the house. This was all reported yeah. to the council. I remember this happening years was, ago up in, I think it was Lagging yeah. Grove. There was a few houses up there as well unoccupied. But you have to wonder, don't you, ladies, why do they leave council houses vacant or council well, flats there vacant? There are 4,500. There I were 4,500 empty council houses in November 22. So that's 3% of all homes owned by, corks, by county and city councils in Ireland. Um, 197 have been returned to use, but that still leaves 4,300 empty council houses during a housing crisis, housing emergency. Makes no sense. Krista, you had a a protest up there last night. Was there a good turnout? There was. There was a fantastic turnout. I was really, really happy with this. And the other side of it, it shows the gravity of the situation and how many people are actually affected by it. When I originally started this, my hope was to get the rats gone finally with the winter coming. I just couldn't face another winter with this and to hopefully get the walls fixed. 
But then with our first residence meeting, so many turned up and I just was hearing all the stories and myself, I was genuinely shocked at the conditions that some people are living in. You walk into the estate, it looks beautiful, it's well kept, there's no antisocial behaviour, everyone looks after their homes. But unfortunately, these are structural issues, these are plumbing issues, these are issues that are out of our hands. And it's it's really bad. So there's one mother who's living there. She has a child with chronic asthma and our entire house is full of mould. Black, the walls That's are dangerous. with mould. That's dangerous. Very dangerous, yeah. Very dangerous. Yeah. We had another um, resident telling me the other evening she caught eight rats in total last week, in one week alone. Oh, holy eight. moly. Holy yeah. moly. <clears throat> you see what's happened with the walls collapsing they've created a hole in the cavity wall between each house. And now the rats have a complete run between the entire row of houses. When Kill came up, he told me, he said, I can come up every day for the next year, he said, but it's pointless. He said, unless it's done collectively, individually, it won't get sorted. It has to be done to the entire estate. And nothing is being done about it. This is exactly like what they were telling me about Noonan's Road only only yeah. last week or the week before yeah. and Krista when you try to call your mm-hmm. landlord and let's be we come back to something if we were talking about a private landlord renting mm-hmm. out the, to people in these kind of situations we'd be shouting from the rooftops and demanding their head on a pole Absolutely, but your yeah. landlord is mm-hmm. the council and this is going I know on. I know what, hap- what happens when you try to complain Krista well, I don't hear anything back. I sent email after email how I actually got in contact with Brian McCarthy, the TD, who's been instrumental in helping us with all of this. Um, I copied in him in an email that I sent to the council, and he was the only person that responded. I see. I see. Yeah. So, so they are aware of it. Yes. You know, I've spoken to so many residents, and they've all told me that they've sent emails, that they've rang, they've called in there. You know, some people are far more worse off. Thankfully, I don't have a condition with mould, but I did a few years ago because I had the exact same leak that everybody has had. Where does that leak come from? What's that leak from? So it's the upstairs bathroom. It leaks into the downstairs bathroom through the trip switch, which is just next to the downstairs bathroom. Um, It's created a hole then in the downstairs bathroom ceiling. The mould then has travelled into my bedroom upstairs, which is alongside the bathroom upstairs. And I have spoken to at least other five confirmed residents who have yeah. the exact same issue, exact same leak, exact same place. Good God. Yeah, so it's, a, it's an issue the way they were built. Mm. And as I said, if we were talking about private accommodation here, private landlords, people would be looking for their head in the place and, and your landlord is the council. Now, the council is building uh, or, or having built some fantastic places all over the city. There's some great stuff being built and some great mm-hmm. refurbishments. But yet at the same time, you guys are living in, in what sounds to me like semi-slum conditions. It's heading that way. It is. I think and I, so, yeah, I think it was Noonan's Road kind of made us aware of yeah. what it can become yeah. if we don't act now. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly why this all begun. Yeah, and one of the most shocking things I heard last night was about a child's bedroom window being nailed shut instead of repairing the window. Um, mm-hmm. The fire hazard 
They nailed it shut rather than yeah. repair the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Imagine, imagine yeah. trying to live in that on these hot nights. Yeah. With yeah. mold, with mold in the air, hot, humid nights. Oh God, I can't bear to think of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. None of us got to enjoy our gardens over the summer. The rat situation was so bad this summer. None of us sat out. Genuinely, mm. I've spoken to well, so many. Are they coming out by day? Are they? Oh yes, yes. I've been. I hate even mentioning them now, but I've been confronted by them hanging out, watching. <sighs> and you see, without doing going into the gory details, if you put the poison down they tend to come out from their hiding places to try and find water or a source or, you know, something. And that's how they come up and that's how they confront you and that's how you see them. Would you feel... Oh. Would you feel they might attack you? Uh, well, this guy was fairly brave anyway. <laughs> but I rang. I was like, Usain Bolt into the house away from him. <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't... I wouldn't like my child to be in that no. situation. So I don't let my child play out in the garden. No, a small child... Meeting yeah. it. Oh, doesn't bear thinking about. Yeah. Now, it's important to mention this is an ongoing issue. This has been going on for years, but as I said, because of the building going on by Blackpool, it's just increased and it's just unbearable. Now we're completely overrun. Rat, rats, rats are everywhere. You're yeah. never more than you're never more than six feet from a rat, is what they tell us. Um, yeah. But it's when they start digging up the ground. I remember when they were digging. I'm old enough to remember when they started digging for the tunnel. Um, mm. There was flipping rats the size of the size of spaniels were coming yeah. up out of the ground, you know. Uh, so building brings rats, but you you, yeah. you then deal with it. Yeah. You then deal with it, like. Yeah. Oh, Balabalan is the same. They're having a terrible time. I believe. I think they're actually almost worse off than us because they're closer. So this isn't just I. This isn't just to our area. Like this is all council properties from what I'm getting from the meetings from what people are telling me this is the last thing I wanted to do I didn't want to come on the radio I didn't want to have to do all of this I just want to live in my home look after my home pay my rent as I always do just the same as everybody else yeah, and that's pushed, exactly how old that going to this situation. You, you shouldn't be in this position you have been forced into this position and no you shouldn't have to come on the radio and discuss mm. your personal affairs and well, neither should I well, Helen and Krista, I'm glad that you both agreed to talk to me this morning because it's always better to talk to the people on the ground living with it. Thank you both for for, for outlining what you're living with up in Glen Trasna in the Glen. Thanks, ladies. It's just a... You get so frustrated listening to calls over the years about this private landlord is leaving this person in these conditions, this private landlord this and that private landlord that... And then you find that the landlord, the landlord here is Cork City Council. Uh, It would put you off your Friday. It really would. We told you about an hour ago we were watching a breaking story, a breaking jobs story, not a good jobs story either. We couldn't put much more on air at the time. We can add a little more to it now. Uh, And we're... In receipt of a statement from this company, which we're going through, and we'll follow back on that after 11. But we understand, the opinion line understands, that up to 70 jobs are under threat at a distribution centre in Little Island, the Regatta Distribution Centre. That's the clothing and footwear shops, Regatta. It's a warehouse, big warehouse, 170,000 square feet, opened only last year. And there's about 70 jobs down there, 
Um, sources approached us early this morning to say the staff had been advised on Tuesday that their jobs will be gone on the 31st of January 2024. Now we're on to Regatta HQ, which is based uh, near Liverpool. They have sent a statement which we're going through. It's a long statement, a bit of an arduous read. So we're going through that. We've also asked management locally if they'll comment and we're awaiting formal response in that regard. But the company hasn't confirmed that it's 70. It hasn't confirmed that all the jobs are gone. But we understand 70 jobs at the Regatta Distribution Centre in Little Island under serious threat this morning, likely to be gone by the 31st of January 2024 at a warehouse that only opened last summer. We are across it. We are across it. And uh, stay with us on that. They won't be putting anybody forward to speak. That's the latest thing we can we can confirm. Uh, and they also can't confirm the number 70. That's our understanding. We haven't had any confirmation that 70 jobs are gone. We I'm going to coming up shortly is next or this week's edition of ours to protect and I'll have more details on the statement. The statement also says that there will be redeployment opportunities for the staff affected. Let me get more detail on that statement and come back to you after this week's episode of Ours to Protect, which is after this. Conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Hours to Protect, brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hourstoprotect.ie for more info. This week on Hours to Protect, we visit the pollinator trail at Photo House, gaining a better understanding of our pollinating friends. The Pollinator Trail at Photo House Aboretum and Gardens opened last May. The project, which was developed in partnership with the Office of Public Works, the Irish Heritage Trust and the Irish Bee Conservation Project, is part of the OPW's commitment to enhance biodiversity at its heritage sites. The trail consists of 12 stations, each with a particular relevance to pollination and biodiversity and explaining topics such as what is pollination, the bee lodge, plants good for pollination, as well as stations with specific information on different bee types, including the queen bee and worker bees. Elaine Conway is a volunteer with the Irish Bee Conservation Project. The, the trail is the first of its kind, as far as I'm aware, in Ireland. Um, it's basically different stations around the Fota house and gardens relating to different pollinators, different plants that are good for pollinators. There's facts about the bees, facts about the plants, um, facts about biodiversity. Um, you just scan your phone with um, barcodes on each of the stations and you can get some more information that leads you into a website with, with more further information um, and it's just a very pleasant trail around the beautiful gardens here. The Pollinator Trail takes you through some magnificent gardens with the various stations allowing walkers to learn so much more about their surroundings, the various types of bees and how they all work together. In Ireland, bees are under severe pressure. Three native species have already gone extinct and more than half of the remaining species are in decline. There are several reasons for the declining numbers. A loss of biodiversity, which means less food and habitats, overuse of pesticides and an invasive honeybee parasite all contribute. Vicky Knight is a conservationist who explains the importance of bees. 
certain types of bees pollinate certain types of plants. So without full range of different species, some plants wouldn't get pollinated. So without bees, you don't have wildflowers and, you know, trees can't be pollinated either. And we need trees to breathe, you know, so it's they're incredibly important. Bumblebees do something called buzz pollination. So without bumblebees, you wouldn't have strawberries. Um, so they, they go to the plant and they buzz and that makes the plant release the pollen. So again, it's really important to have the different species and then you have the rest of them are um, solitary bees. So they don't necessarily have colonies um, like the social bumblebees and honeybees. So yeah, they're incredibly important and we're just trying to, you know, get more awareness and get people to care about them. Councils can play a leading role in making the island of Ireland a place where pollinators can survive and thrive. Most councils and local authorities are already taking actions to support pollinators on public land. Many are also working with local community groups, residents, associations and schools to help raise awareness of the All-Ireland Pollinator Plan. Arthur Needham is a community warden with Cork City Council. There's been a great buy-in over the Cox City Council with this. They seem to be very enamoured with it and they actually think it's a project well worth um, pursuing. So we're hoping now to meet up now in September again and put a kind of a proposal on the table of how we can move this project forward. In the meantime now we're getting the, the local minsheds involved. We actually act three minsheds at the moment. Douglas, Frankfield, Toker and Blarney minsheds again involved to help us um, build the, the, they're called bee bug lodges and to hopefully get them involved. So they are involved today and we're hoping now to get the project up and going so we have a plan now at the moment to get 150 bee lodges up and going by February something to do um, over the next couple of months is identify areas that would be suitable. Um, Pat wants kind of us and the community involved like to, to take notice of these and like to understand like why they're there and the benefits of them for the, for the solitary bees and the pollinators in general like so so there's a lot of education and, and re-education involved um, there's going to be a lot of the um, project development and all that like so it's going to be a very very interesting um, project and I hope um, people around will get to know them and see it and all that but for the council anyway we want to make this a kind of a, a major template like for, for Ireland at the moment and we kind of lead, take the lead on it like that we, we're serious about biodiversity and the environment and that and this is our way of contributing to that project. This year's motto of Biodiversity Day was we're part of the solution, reminding us that we all, no matter how big or small, have a part to play in preserving the environment. The pollinator trail at Photohouse Arboretum and Gardens will further inform and enhance visitors' understanding and appreciation of the importance of pollination to our ecosystem. To learn more about the pollinator trail, visit Irish Bee Conservation Project online or check the show notes of this episode. Hours to Protect, brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hours to protect.ie for more info. Thanks, Katie. Another Hours to Protect at this time next week. 0818969696. So back to that story that we're working on the Cork Distribution Centre of Regatta, Ireland. That's the clothing and footwear, that's the hiking gear and the jackets and the boots and the t-shirts and stuff like that. Regatta. They've had a place down at Little Island since last year and news broke this morning through very reliable sources that about 70 jobs are under threat down there now. That staff were told on Tuesday that their employment will be terminated on January 31st 
2024. It only opened last summer. And there's been 70 people at that site over the last 14 months. Regatta HQ is based near Liverpool. And we understand that the centre down there, that distribution centre, is not unionised. Statements been issued in the last half an hour from Regatta Ireland. And it said, due to the considerable growth of our business in Ireland, we've made the difficult decision to announce the proposal to transfer our logistics operation from Cork to logistics facilities elsewhere within the Regatta Group. It says, as a family-run business, the needs of our staff are of the utmost importance, and as such, we'll conduct collective and individual consultation. Then there will be opportunities in other parts of the business for redeployment, and every member of staff will be fully equipped and trained for redeployment either within the business or elsewhere. Uh, The MD of Regatta Ireland is Brian Fox, and uh, he's quoted on this statement as saying it was the correct decision to set up a distribution centre. We're proud of our colleagues, but we didn't anticipate the continued rate of growth across retail, wholesale and online. It has now become clear, says Mr Fox, we we need to transfer this function to our other logistics facilities in order to deliver the best possible customer service. Now that translates to me, as they were doing so well, we have to close the Cork branch, but their explanation is that they're moving what's done presently at Little Island to another part of the operation. They say the staff will be redeployed, retrained, and will have the opportunity to work elsewhere within the business. That's according to the company. Our uh, Ring of Skiddy, is it, uh, Ring of Skiddy or Little Island? Now, Little Island, I have in front of me here, guys. Ring of Skiddy, I beg your pardon. It's Ring of Skiddy. It's Ring of Skiddy. It's where this, this distribution centre is. Ring of Skiddy. And the jobs, according to our source, the employment will be terminated on 31st of January 2024. But the company is saying now that people will be redeployed and will be retrained. But what's happening is that they are transferring their logistics operation out of Cork to elsewhere within the Regatta Group. We're, tr- we're trying to add more to this as we go along, but that's as much as we can give you. 70 jobs under threat in Cork on this Friday morning. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 the minds are mine. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969 9696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email um, to do with Regatta, that's the clothing and hiking boots brand that you know them very, very well. Their brand is, everyone knows what their brand looks like. What we mightn't have known is that they had a cork distribution centre for about the last year or so. And this morning, we're hearing that that will close early in the new year, 31st January, and that staff will lose their jobs. It's a massive warehouse down at... Uh, um, 
bring a skitty. Now, they've issued a statement to us this morning. Um, we did ask the PR company who issued the statement whether we could get a spokesperson from the company. They said no. We asked if they could confirm that the 70 jobs were at risk. They said they couldn't comment on that. And the company's statement said there would be opportunities for redeployment. They say they have, in according to the statement, they have taken the difficult decision to announce this proposal to transfer the logistics operation from Cork to logistics facilities elsewhere within the family group. It says there will be opportunities in other parts of the business for redeployment. Staff will be equipped and trained for employment, either in the business or elsewhere. They went on to say it was the correct decision to set up a distribution centre in Ireland we're proud of our colleagues, but we didn't anticipate the continued rate of growth that we've experienced across retail, wholesale and online. It has become clear we need to transfer this function of our operation to our other logistics facilities in order to deliver the best possible customer service. That is the statement, nobody being made available. Um, now, another thing we're hearing at this point of the breaking story is the redeployment that's on the table may well be in the UK. In fact, it's quite likely to be in the UK as there isn't anywhere else in Ireland for these people to work. There isn't any other centre. Mick Barry TD, Cork North Central Socialist Party TD. Uh, Mick, you're looking into this as well as we speak. It's very much a developing story at the moment, but it's not a good one. Morning. Good morning to you, uh, PJ. Um, yeah, it seems uh, crazy at first sight that a company says uh, that we have to close down a distribution centre uh, because we are so successful. Um, and Regatta clearly is a company that's doing well. Uh, their profits uh, are on the up, as a quick check on uh, Google uh, will tell you. And I think that there are some questions that need to be asked uh, of Regatta uh, today. I know that they're not uh, jumping out of the blocks to answer the questions, but over the next few days, these questions will have to be answered. So I can list uh, a couple of them for you there, if you like. Please. Okay. Uh, well, the first question is the obvious one. Um, why did Regatta open a distribution centre in Cork here in Ringeskiddy uh, less than one and a half years ago uh, with a fanfare of publicity? A uh, huge uh, warehouse down there, 70 jobs. Uh, if there was, um, you know, a possibility that they would be closing it uh, in less than one and a half years' time, it seems bizarre. So that is a question. I think, uh, as you know, uh, workers uh, have entitlements that kick in after two years of service. Yes. Uh, one of them is the right to uh, a redundancy package. Uh, and they're closing on the 31st of January, which means that many, many of the workers down there will be a couple of months shy of the two-year mark. So have they chosen this date? Not entitled to anything. Cheat? Are they, are they cheat, uh, they Have they chosen the date in order to cheat workers out of their redundancy entitlements, where are they going to redeploy to? I understand that they've got three other warehouses uh, uh, globally, one in the United States, 
Uh, and two in the UK, are they going to say uh, <laughs> your job is still there if you transfer to the UK? The I'm, second paragraph of uh, a three-paragraph statement, uh, Mick, says that there will be opportunities in other parts of the business for redeployment. We will ensure that every member of staff is fully equipped and trained for employment either within the business or elsewhere, but doesn't say where. Well, I think regatta and great outdoors uh, go together. Now, whether they're the one company, um, I'd have to do some research on that over the next uh, day or so. So they may possibly be talking about redeployment uh, to one of the stores, great outdoors. But I I, I can't see how they're going to have 70 jobs uh, for workers in the, in the, the stores. In You'd that be city. suspicious people will be told there's a job there for you, but it's in the UK. Well, we'll have to see how it pans out. And I understand that um, I don't think that this is a unionised workplace. No, no. Uh, I, I know in situations like this, uh, workers can be fearful and put the head down. Uh, I wouldn't expect workers to be ringing the radio station necessarily. But if workers want to contact me in confidence, um, I will give whatever advice I can and assist them with their their rights and entitlements. I also think while we're asking questions, that a question does need to be asked of the government, and this is a point that will have to be checked. Um, We know that uh, many of the companies who come into this country, foreign direct investment, Mm. uh, receive grant aid from uh, the Industrial Development Authority and others. Uh, And it certainly needs to be checked as to whether this company um, whether in the Ring of Skiddy situation or elsewhere, mm. uh, has availed of grant aid, taxpayers' money, uh, and handout from the state. Because the idea that you'd come in, put your hand out, and take grant aid, and then close in 18 months, that is completely unacceptable. Well, now, I'm well, not saying that that has happened yet. Yes, I'm yes. not saying that we has need, happened We need yet. to certify that and make sure but that let, 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 let's Let's check, uh, check uh, the facts. And before I go, there there is one other issue that relates to uh, workers' rights that is very much on the agenda uh, in Cork today, in, in the Lower Harbour area, not a million miles away from, uh, from the, uh, um, the, 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 the workplace that we're talking about here. I might just give that a quick mention, if I can. Yes, of course. Okay, uh, you've probably heard of the case of the Murphy Four. Um, in case uh, some of your listeners haven't, the Murphy's four are Murphy four are four men uh, who worked for Murphy and Sons Construction uh, Company. Uh, they were members of a union, and uh, the union in question was Unite, which I think is possibly the fourth largest union uh, in the state. Uh, and they were they were uh, sacked from their jobs. Uh, and I think everybody in the trade union movement, not just in the United uh, Union, would see that as a clear case of union busting, people being sacked for their trade union activity. And to their credit, the United Union is running a campaign uh, to have those men reinstated okay. uh, and to put pressure on people who do business, uh, 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 corporate business with Murphy's. And one such company is Mott McDonald who have uh, offices in Little Island. Uh, they're uh, partnering up with Murphy 4 to build or to bid for a new tunnel underneath the River Thames. And I understand that Unite will be putting a, a picket on Mott McDonald okay. this morning 
uh, and saying, look, you should put pressure on your partners there. These men need their jobs back. People should have a right to join a union. So I just wanted to mention that as well. Okay, okay. thanks for that one, Mick. It's one we can follow. Regatta, yes, they have warehouses in the USA, UK and Poland. And they own Regatta, obviously. They own Dare to Be, another brand, and Craghopper, which is another brand. So that's as much as we know at this point. Uh, Mick Barry, Social Security TD, thank you very much. That breaking story, putting it together as we go through the show, 70 Cork jobs under threat. Regatta, distribution centre in Ringeskiddy to close at the end of January. The company has said people will be redeployed and retrained. To where is the first question to be asked because there are other warehouses that were like this one are in the USA, UK and Poland. It's one we'll follow. Not a unionised workforce. Mick is going to check up on a few things uh, over the weekend, but just to bring you up to speed on that story. We will return to it. We will return to it on Monday uh, when we know more. 0818 96 Tons of stuff held over because it's gotten very busy here this morning on dangerous driving and dangerous driving situations. There's a lot of people working a 12-hour shift when you take into account getting up, travelling to work, and it might be outside the city, that's about 15 hours in total up out of bed. Do people think this should be banned in favour of 10 hours uh, max? It would create jobs as well, and everyone would be safer. Yeah, commuting for a 12-hour shift. I mean, if you're commuting for a 12-hour shift and going an hour each way, that's 14 hours, whatever way you decide to, to break it down. Lads, I just saw a new BMW X5 going around a roundabout. The idiot behind the wheel had the phone under his ear and a cup of coffee in his other hand. Total gobshite. And Dave, Dave Gibbons says, Hi, lads, heard you talking about people driving on and, and using the phone at the same time. I was working in Silver Springs Hotel Yesterday, there was a motorcycle cop on duty on the road. He must have pulled in at least 30 people who were using their phones in the space of just an hour. Great to see it, says Dave. Yep. Uh, Frank then says, major work on the Balek Road. It's a disaster. They widened the pavements. They put traffic lights on either side of a low bridge, a poorly positioned stop sign, which means you don't know if the way ahead is clear. Have they enough engineers clearing things or what? Instead of helping traffic, it has made it an awful lot worse. Uh, your, your roads, uh, uh, PJ, just seen a girl on, oh God almighty, Rose. I've just seen a girl on an electric scooter with a small little dog between her feet. And she's on the phone as well. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Oldies and Irish on Corks 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the program. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Cork Simon. Do you want to leave a legacy to the city you love? Find out more about leaving a gift in your will at CorkSimon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Your entries for our competition with Falter Ireland looking for the best staycation ever. <laughs> They're flooding in. You're not making our jobs easy at all here. 
with regard to the best staycation ever. We will pull two winners, though, before the end of the show. Very popular locations for best staycation ever. I think if I was to pick a top three, they would be Glengariff, Yall, and Crosser. Three of those, hugely popular. Lots of other big favourites as well, but definitely Yall, Crosser, and Glengariff. If I had to pick one of those three, for me, it would be Glengariff. I love that place. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. We've loads coming in. If you've one that you want to share with us, your best idea for a best vacation ever, uh, 083-396-9696. We'll lock it down about quarter to 12 and we will pick two. Let me clear some more of your correspondence. We had Michael on yesterday with regard to this story that has emerged from Dublin, but we can almost be certain it'll happen in Cork, and that is a hundred euro registration fee or registration, inverted commas, donation for confirmation. Uh, you can break it into ten installments or you break it up front, pay it up front, but you can't register the child, this is in Dublin, until you pay the hundred quid or at least the first installment. Uh, Michael was on the phone yesterday, concerned about that, saying, look, is this about, you know, soon the sacraments only being available to those who have the money to pay for them? That was Michael's take on it. And he was saying, what on earth is this hundred quid for? Anyway, uh, I was making, I, I passed the remark in the course of the conversation with Michael. She was just another mass. I know the bishop is there and it's a bit more, you know, highfalutin than other masses, but it's Really just another mass and the church is open anyway. Where's this hundred quid going? Now, S took umbrage with me saying it's just another mass. PJ, I don't agree with the charge for the sacraments, but I also don't agree with your phrase, it's just another mass. This is our faith and every holy mass is sacred. Maybe educate yourself on what really is the holy mass. Well, I've been going to a Mass since I was a small boy, so I think I know what it's about, but thank you. Maybe the charge might be to sort out the... Oh, this is where S is going. Maybe the charge might be to sort out the people who only show up for First Holy Communions and confirmations and christenings, and then they're never in church again until their wedding or their funeral. Jesus gave his life for us freely, says S. Yeah, they call them bouncy castle Catholics. The other people, you never see them inside the four walls of a church, except for the communion and the confirmation. Bouncy castle Catholics, they call them. Maybe S thinks that they're trying to weed out the bouncy castle Catholics. And then Karen said, PJ, in relation to the hundred euro for confirmations, I'm not a mass goer myself, but I can see why the church needs to do this. People aren't going to mass anymore. They just turn up for baptism, communion, confirmations and weddings. Unfortunately, the church has expenses 365 days a year, not just the odd day that people feel like turning up and don't want to contribute. Nothing is free in this world. So there's two people, S and Karen, both sort of pointing the finger at the Bouncy Castle Catholics who only are interested in the Mass or anything to do with it at special occasions. Tis a take... And tis a take that two people have had at the same time. So there must be something to it. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Ted, Ted's been in contact with us because, Ted, I think you want to talk about 
a pal of yours who has passed away. Uh, a man who, his name was Noel Looney. And you believe, Ted, that his passing should be marked in some way. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, Noel was uh, a great friend of mine personally, going back over 40 years. And we got to know one another going back in the late 80s and early 90s. And Noel um, was um, uh, a man who has helped uh, hundreds, if not thousands of people who were in financial difficulty with banks and other institutions around the country. Where was he from? He's from Jan Meyer and he was a well-known hurler with Southfields Club and he played hurling with Cork going back many years ago. He was in, involved in the, the pub trade in the city as well. But he was one of these extraordinary type of people that um, he was there to help everyone, and I mean everyone. How did you get to know him? I got to know him because uh, we had set up a group going back in the late 80s called the Irish Farm Family Therapy Group. And that group was made up of farmers, business people, and loads of other people. It was a national group, voluntary group at the time. We used to meet above in Kilkenny once a month. It was like a self-help group, people who had financial difficulties with the banks and stuff like that. There was quite a number of high-profile evictions taking place at the time. And one such eviction was above in, in Tipperary. And Noel was the lead man in uh, helping this farmer. We secured about 200 farmers from around the country. And we were made aware that the sheriff and the guards and were coming on this day to, um, to evict the men. So we all assembled above and we slept above in the, the, the cow shed in the hay barn and things. And when the, the sheriff and the guards uh, came the following morning, they had, there was another company with about 20 trucks to take away all the cattle. He had occupied the place? We had occupied the place, yeah. Uh, but Noel had done his research on the court orders because Noel, Noel had a great legal brain. Was he a lawyer? No, 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 no. But he, he, he was a self-made lawyer. Let me put it to you that way. Right. What they might call a lay litigant. A lay litigant. Uh, that's the correct word. Uh, so, so he had examined the paperwork about this farm, and he spotted what he thought were flaws in it, and he was prepared to stand up for the the men of the house. Exactly. And when the sheriff arrived, uh, anyway, at seven o'clock in the morning, Noel was there to meet him. And he was able to point out to the sheriff that the, the order that the sheriff had was wrong and incorrect. <laughs> and uh, eventually Noel negotiated um, a reasonable settlement with the bank on behalf of, the, of that farmer. Fair play, but, fair um, play. We, we had uh, um, RT's um, camera crew were there as well that day. And Lord Mercer and the late Veronica was there as well. I was just going to ask, how, how did Veronica gear in? get involved in that? Because at the time she was chasing John Gilligan around the country or starting to. Uh, well, listen, I've been reading and seeing a lot about that with the last couple of days and everything. But Veronica Gearn did an awful lot of good work for people around the country.
They only working people uh, that were involved in this group. You see. And in, I think it was May 95, Gay Byrne invited us onto the Late Late Show. And it was Veronica tutored the four or five of us that were in the panel. Oh, she, she kind of became involved with the kind of teaching you how to publicise yourselves. Oh, yeah, definitely. And how to present ourselves and what <laughs> to say and what not to say and everything on the Late Late that was May 1995, actually, that we were on the, the, the late late. She was killed the following year, sure, God rest her. Yeah, I know. I know. God, God love her. Yeah, but it was the one thing that I was, you know, came to my head with the last couple of days, all the stuff that's on ab- about her. And uh, no one has, uh, how will I say, highlighted all the good work that she has done for so many people down through the years. Yeah, no, she made a life's work and she was brilliant at it, chasing down yes. the Gilligans of this world and other criminals. But but what she did, and this came to light a little bit, Ted, after she died, what she did for little people, it never made the papers an awful lot of it. That's what I'm trying to say, that, that it has never been highlighted, you know what I mean? Yeah. But then, just going back to Noel, yes. um, going back in the late 80s and 90s, there was a publican here in Cork, um, Con Murphy, and um, there was a bit of problems with the, the bank, and he ended up in contempt of court, and he was imprisoned in Cork prison for contempt, and Con went on hunger strike above in Cork prison, but Noel Looney then decided that we'd put two uh, caravans outside the Bank of Ireland down in the South Mall <laughs> and there was three, three people went on hunger strike, Noel being one of them inside there at the time and it went on for quite a number of weeks and there was an awful lot of publicity and coverage and everything about it and it took the late Bishop of Cork, Michael Murphy to go up to the Cork prison to persuade Con to come off the hunger strike at the time but um, like, someone is going to have to write a book on this man, Noel Looney. I mean, Lord mercy on him. God only knows the amount of help and good work that that man did, not alone in Cork, but all over the country. Mm-hmm. Like, he was a regular on the 7 o'clock train to Dublin, and he'd be standing up at the front carriage ready to get off to be straight up into the into the high court. Like, the judges, I can tell you this, in latter years, respected him. Initially, when he was starting out, they, they looked at him as, as a wildcat. But by God, I tell you, did he know the law in relation to, to the, the banking situation? At 86 years of age, and he was still up recently up and down to Dublin, really? even though his health, yeah, even though his health had faded. You you know we were saying in Cork that um, certain fellas are characters. Noel, he was one Cork character. If you met him, the look in his face, you you come away feeling better after, mm. regardless what trouble you, ha- uh, you had or experienced. He'd be sorely missed, I'm telling you that. Well, do you know, Ted, I had heard the name, and by reputation, I'd have come across some of the stories, but first of all, I'm sorry to hear that he's passed away. A- and thank you yeah. for paying tribute to 
he would have been definitely one of the one of the car carriages. Ted, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed for honouring Noel and God love his family. That's all I'd say. Very day. Thanks, Ted. Thank you. And yeah, if anyone anyone who knew Noel Looney or was ever helped, as Ted said, by Noel Looney, uh, thoughts with you today. He mentioned actually, Ted mentioned Veronica Geeran and how she became involved with their movement at one point. Brings me to uh, read about Jimmy Geeran, who'd be Veronica's brother, who, if you like, has carried on her story since her passing, since her murder in 1996, and never let her memory slip from ours, which is important. He hit out this week. I, I, I haven't recorded it, I haven't watched it yet, this Confessions of a Prime Boss from Virgin Media featuring John Gilligan. And Jimmy Gearin says that he'd prefer Virgin Media to cancel the programme and not screen any more episodes. He said the show has been upsetting for his family and caused them more unnecessary pain. He says John Gilligan shouldn't be given a platform to peddle his lies. He also says it's hurtful to the thousands of families whose lives have been destroyed by drugs to give the leader of the gang responsible for huge drug importation a platform where he can laugh and dismiss the hurt. Now, according to Jimmy, in the next episode, John Gilligan makes comments about beating his wife and says that shouldn't be broadcast. And he's asking public representatives to put pressure on Virgin Media not to show it. I don't know how that's going to go down. But just wanted to refer to it because I'm reading about it during the weekend. Speaking of people who've passed away, here's another story that kind of slipped over my radar. She was the oldest woman in Ireland. Her name was Maureen Hughes. She was 109. She turned 109 on the 22nd of May last. Uh, she was born in Belfast, grew up in Dublin, and then lived in Killarney, graduated from UCC in 1935 with a science degree, went on to be a chemist and a teacher. She died at a nursing home, a Maryfield nursing home in Dublin, in the last few days. But interestingly enough about Maureen Hughes, she was the oldest known surviving graduate of the UCC Department of Science. And she passed away this week at the age of 109. She graduated from UCC with a degree in science the year before my dad was born. Wowie. More on this story that we are following throughout the course of the morning. The news that the Regatta Distribution Centre in Ringeskiddy are in, only opened last year. Our information is it will close at the end of January with the loss of 70 jobs. The company have issued a statement to us this morning saying that people will be retrained and people will be redeployed. Um, and saying, giving an explanation as to why the place is closing, which generally boils down to it's doing so well we have to close it. They've issued a statement to us they haven't put a, a spokesperson forward, none of that, but they're saying that people will be will be retrained and redeployed. Thing is, the only other warehouses of this kind that Regatta has are in the UK, the USA and Poland. It's not like you can send them over the road to another job. 
which one will follow. What's happening in regattas is this message is exactly what happened with Aldi in Mitchellstown and Nace back in September of 2021. Departments and jobs were transferred back to the UK. The same day that the employees were told of redundancy, the managing director was pictured in the paper with Leo Varadkar, pleasantly announcing expansion plans for more stores and more jobs, covering up the fact that they were making loads of people redundant at the same time. Government in bed with the capitalists. Okay, that's an interesting one. 0818 96 96 96. Our Crossy has met with rugby royalty and with the World Cup uh, due to commence tonight with a very important match. I know I've said this a couple of times and I know, look, I'm going to be like a small child for the next month following this Rugby World Cup. But the New Zealand-France match tonight is a really important one because it could well be one of the things that determines who we play in the second round, quarterfinals. 0818969696. I will talk to Crossy next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox96FM. So, Crossy, uh, you got to meet... The great Brian O'Driscoll, who can now these days walk around and sort of stop and sit down and have a coffee without being mobbed. Or can he? Morning. Good morning. Do you know what? And that was the one thing I wanted to talk to him about, was that what's life like now? Is it a thing where you're sitting like... Is it like myself and yourself when we're watching other radio people do things go, Jesus, I could do that. And I wanted to know that about him. Like, does he look at the match and go... God, I wish I was doing this again, or I wish I was part of it. And you kind of feel like he misses it. Yeah. You know, it was such a, like, not a nine to five, like, his jo- it was his life for so long. Mm. Mm. Then we had to take a step back from it. And now he's like, of course, he's doing the commentating and all that pundit stuff. But it's not the same. It's yeah. not the same. And he's still good friends with a lot of the players. Yeah. So he's still able to find, you know, find out a lot of things yeah. that are going on. And gives him. A, he's a good. He's a nice fella. He's, he's a, a really nice, nice guy. I've only met him a couple of times, but I remember, like, with play, players like that, greats who retire. I remember sitting next to Keith Wood down in Tolman Park not long after Woody retired from the game, and I wasn't far away from him. And there was a really crucial Munster game, you know, and he was sitting in his seat in the stand, and he was playing. You could see his ah, hands, ah, his hands going, and his eyes going. You know, it's it's amazing. That I'd, is love, I'd love to sit. I'd love, love to sit next to to Brian O'Driscoll. Actually, watch a match with him because I'd say his hands and his and his eyes go everywhere. What's this thing he's doing though? Don't jinx it with Guinness. So this is matter, right? So remember the last World Cup, Brian O'Driscoll came out and says, "We're going to win it. It's going to be great. It's going to be brilliant. Oh, We're no. the best team we've ever had." And then all of a sudden, the wheels fell off that cart, didn't it? And it didn't happen. And somebody from Guinness was reminded about it, pitched an idea called the Don't Jinx It campaign, which means that, you know, we're a brilliant team. We're one of the best teams we've ever had. But let's not jinx it this year. Let's just keep those thoughts to ourselves, play the game, enjoy the games, win the games. And then if we get to the final, we get to the final. And let's not jinx it. And they pitched, pitched it to Brian. And he was like, this is a great idea. It's a bit of fun. I don't know if you've seen the ads. Uh, Keith Wood's in it as well. Yeah. Uh, and that, that is, it, it's very, very funny. So it's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek campaign that they're doing. And he was delighted to be part of it. Yeah. I think I think that's the thing about Bod is that he doesn't take himself too seriously. No, 
No, he did, even at the height of his powers, and when he and he was a very yeah. hard guy to get to interview because everybody wanted him. But he, he's he's great fun. Yeah. He's he's and you know what? Married to Amy Huberman, who's also very very funny and very very witty. Yeah. So I can just imagine that household. You know that they don't they, they're never bored of each other. Yeah, let's have a listen to him about that 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 don't jinx it. Here we go. Yeah, it is obviously. I, I've been lucky to work with Guinness for the last number of years, and um, yeah, I think one of the fun parts is we always have you know good uh, good fun with the campaigns, but. Sometimes there's an element of truth to it as well, isn't there? Where, um, yeah, I, I, sh- sh- I kind of shot my mouth off a few years ago and did a very un-Irish thing. It's, oh, yeah, no, we're, we're going to go all the way. We're going to go all the way. And didn't work out great, did it? So maybe we need to actually revert to our um, kind of stereotypical type of being, trying to play perennial underdogs and not accept favorite tags and all of that. So, you know, you're allowed to talk about, and sorry, you're allowed to think, you know, about what's going to happen in the next few weeks, but you're not allowed to jinx it. So, <laughs> yeah, think it, but don't jinx it. I think he's dead right, Crossy. I mean, I, I'm, I'm living for this like a small child since January, but I'm not even going to whisper anything beyond, beyond the group even. I think we're all afraid, aren't we? Terrified. We're all afraid. I, I, th- I think uh, I went to the Ireland-England match in the Aviva mm. and uh, we were lucky enough afterwards there was a thing with the players where a few of them had the chats and it was at that stage we were kind of going, oh God, this is real. This isn't like the football. This isn't like anything else. You know, this isn't, yeah. this isn't me in an All-Ireland that are not going to win. This, yeah. <laughs> this is a team that, you know, could go very far if we get out of this group. So we Stamped over the line yeah. for a Grand Slam we beat New Zealand on their own soil in a series. Nobody does that. Nobody does Nobody. that. Nobody. And, and here a we are. A small little island. We're at the height of our powers. We're number one in the world. And Crossy, I'm terrified. And I'll just leave you with that. I'm petrified. <laughs> petrified. <laughs> you know what? Get out with your friends and watch it with a load of people tomorrow. I think that's what everyone should do, whether it's in your house, in a so. pub, or wherever it is. We all look. We all need a bit of excitement after last night's uh, results with the football. Yeah. I think we need we, a bit of excitement. We, we sure do, Crossy. Enjoy it. Enjoy the tournament throughout, and maybe we'll talk again. And by the way, tomorrow, if you're headed down to the Marina Market, you can join our fan zone, our World Cup fan zone. We'll be there for every one of the the matches. It's Romania tomorrow. Music starts at one. Kickoff at half two. Prizes and music and crack and fun and a huge screen for the match. It's the free Rugby World Cup fan zone with Cork's 96 of him at the Marina Market Centre Park Road. Now, Crossy also asked Brian O'Driscoll about our prospects across the group against Romania, Tonga, South Africa and Scotland. And here's what the great bod had to say. This is a very special group of players. There's no doubt the quality is littered throughout. Um, They're playing with high confidence and understandably because of what they've done over the last couple of years. But there is ultimately a missing piece of the pie in Irish rugby. You know, whatever about winning a World Cup, it's not getting to that elusive semi-final at Rugby World Cup. We have been a disappointing World Cup team and hopefully this group of players with everything all the markers along the way they've ticked you know in the last couple of seasons that they're best positioned to go and do something that um certainly any other irish team has done so our first couple of matches like how do you think like what's going to be the danger do you think for us well i think the danger and and one of the big aspects around you know how physical this world cup is going to be is is you know what 
what personnel we're going to lose over the course of the group stages, which looking at the game is probably inevitable. Um, I think it's, it's imperative that we try and hold on to our key performers and it should be okay against Romania. Tonga will be physical, so what's the fall off from that and before you go into the South African game, which is again going to be another level. When you've ever played them before, how physical are they? It's the most physical game always has been uh, because they pride themselves on route one and you know if that game plan's not working they just they ramp it up a couple of notches they've got a lovely mix to their squad at the moment lots of experience the know-how that many of them have already won one world cup four years ago probably now on the back of that performance against the all blacks two weeks ago go in as favorites and, and of course we have to play them like of course <laughs> yeah we do but you know what they'll have maybe not some sleepless nights on the back of watching us, but they'll know that we will present some some problems for them for sure. Having two weeks between the South African and Scotland game, I think, is all important, though. Don't jinx it. Just don't jinx it. Just hope and pray and don't jinx it. It's going to be a great few weeks, rugby. Uh, thanks to Crossy for that and uh, Brian O'Driscoll. Right, last, last, last bit of business. Two weeks tonight is Culture Night, Friday, September 22nd. Over 150 live events around the city. And Culture Night is absolutely huge. And of course, our Lord Mayor this year, Councillor Kieran McCarthy, is a patron and fan of the arts himself and the and, and culture, uh, musical theatre being his his chosen joy. Uh, Lord Mayor, go, go, looking forward to, to Culture Night. Good morning to you. Oh, yeah. Hi, PJ. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, look, Culture Night is it's such a major part of the city's cultural programme. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Friday, the 22nd of, of September. It's going to be great. There is, there's a massive programme there. When you think of what it's mushroomed into, Lord Mayor. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd say when we started off um, like over 10 years ago or more now at this point, I'd say there was maybe maybe four or five venues. I mean, I'm looking at the program for this year, PJ. Like, and there's there's 85 venues. Um, so I mean, so like the public is not going to get to all 85 venues. But um, but I think over the years, like people kind of put aside the year every year and kind of go, look, I'm going to go, I'm going to take on that venue this year and take on that venue the following year. And the program is, um, it's immense. Like I'm I'm looking at it in front of me, and uh, yeah, there's there's so many musical opportunities. There's so much so so much kind of late events, and yeah, yeah, so much to do, which we can we can go down through some. Of my highlights, if you want. To, yes, I'd like to do that because I have a couple. Of, I have a couple of myself that that I that I note that I'd like to to, to mention as well. But what are your favourites, Lord Mayor? There's going to be concerts anyway in City Hall and the Concert Hall and the Millennium Hall, so people can kind of pop in and out of that. Now, some of the some of the elements I'm probably mentioning that do require booking in some shape or form, so it would be important to log on to uh, to CorkCity.ie slash Culture Night, uh, which is that like the formal website for for the city. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in Cork City Library. I mean, I think the library alone is running nine events, and they're actually using there's a new stage actually off Tucky Street. Mm. I think like and, and also. Hill, Douglas and Mayfield are also involved in this, this year. They're kind of there's a series of everything from music to, to storytelling, and then I see there's going to be um, a truckload of uh, what I call music venues or mu- music spaces. So um, up at Elizabeth Fort, there's yeah. Barrack Street Band, and then the Butter Exchange on the other side of the city are doing something in their band, band rooms, and there's something in Cork City Jail and the Cork School of Music and St Finbar's Cathedral are with the program every year. A bit of good music in on uh, on McCurtain Street and Harley Street. Come along for the music and 
would also eat as well that the focus on food in Harley Street uh, mm-hmm. which is that street when you cross over from the, the bus station over Mary Ellen's Bridge and up the uh, the newly pedestrianised street all yeah. up to McCurtain Street by the there there's some yeah. nice stuff so I mean like I suppose yeah the third thing would be music and that probably the fourth thing for me is that there's a lot of studios artist studios that are open and sometimes like you, you'd read in the papers like you'd see finished pieces of work but sometimes it's nice to go into a studio and, and meet the artist and get a sense of what they're working at the National Sculpture Factory is open Bench yeah. Space I don't Marina Commercial Park is open. Cork Community Art Link, who do the fantastic Dragon of Shandon every year, and mm-hmm. they get stuck in involved in Park State Parade. I mean, they're open there, and that's in the old Lido in Blackpool. They're 30 years old this year, so they have 30 years of stories that they'll actually have on display in, uh, in the old Lido cinema. And then you've got people like Blackwater Artists, and you've got the printmakers, and and then the, I suppose the fifth thing you'd expect places like uh, the Everyman to be open, Cork Opera yeah. used to have a program, the Crawford Art Gallery. I know the Cork Public Museum as well are are, are are going to put on one or two kind of talks. I mean, and actually for me with my historian hat on, there's a, yeah. there's a good few kind of history talks on as well. So in one sense, there's something for everyone. I mean, if, you're, if your thing is music, it's there. If, if your thing is like uh, wanting to meet an artist, it's there. Yeah. If you want to learn, and if you want to just get out and about and explore the city. And I suppose I'm encouraging people like turn off the TV, come into town. There's even like this... There's culture buses which are free, and there's a massive partnership with Bus Air, and as always, and they can bring you to like there's, there are three routes which are free, so you can kind of explore into some of the suburbs if you want to. Um, What's there a lot this year to Lord Mayor? It seems to be a new venture is quite a number of late night events, like events starting at ten o'clock. I'm thinking there the Marine Market, the circus events starting at ten o'clock. Yeah, and I mean I have to say like the Circus Factory, they do such fantastic work. They have their own little rented venue down on just off uh, Centre Park Road, and um, I mean they're preparing for a massive circus festival coming up over the next few weeks I'm sure they're going to give the public a few tasters of what that circus festival is going to look like and I think what's interesting is that I obviously this uh, this night as well as giving people's tasters of what's going on culturally in the city because you, you hear a lot of narratives like oh there's nothing going on in the city there's nothing going on in the city and then you open the culture night program and see all the different kind of yeah. taster events you can see and, and get the, the, the full gambit of the artists and cultural practitioners that are working in the city and working working hard as well uh, our own Elmery and Connor, who do the the fabulous arts yeah, program arts on a show, Sunday yeah. morning. This is like having everything they talk about over the course of a year open at once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I don't even know how they're going to cover everything in one <laughs> show kind of coming up to Culture Night, but I have no doubt that Elmarie and Connor they'll, they'll do it in their own uh, in their own way and in their own very professional way as well. Yeah. It's a great show to listen to. And, um, but yeah, well, this is, this, it, it, it's a massive This is like their so, Christmas and birthdays yeah. all coming together. So 22nd yeah. of September dozens yeah. and dozens of events and you'll be out and about yourself on the night Lord Mayor yeah I will I will I'll be going from the, from from venue to venue to venue trying to um, to support the artists that are opening their opening their venues and, and supporting as many of the events as, um, as possible and I think it's important that the Lord Mayor does that even I think my own offices are open for, for tours as well mm-hmm. where they can meet kind of former Lord Mayors and get a sense of the history of the office as well but I think you have to book in for that CorkCity.ie slash culture night to make sure that not to be disappointed okay. when you arrive at the door and someone says well where's your ticket yeah. like the tickets are all free but no it's going to be it's going to be a really really great evening Lord Mayor we look forward to it and thank you very much thanks very much PJ cheers cheers here's uh, Lord Mayor okay uh, lastly and briefly fall to Ireland well done to Andrew Carroll his best vacation ever was cross Haven, Church Bay and Grabal and to Frank Walsh a leisurely stroll through Cork City that brought back fond childhood memories. We had a great time with all of your entries all week long. Thanks to our friends at Fall to Ireland. It's been lovely 
reading your dedications all week long. But the vouchers go to Andrew and to Frank. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96FM. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.